0: Welcome to Leo Rising, a living tarot and creative intuition podcast. Here we'll have a conversational exploration of tarot, personal and spiritual growth, and identity formation. It's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. I'll process stories from my life, both from the past and from the current moments that I'm moving through, to give listeners things to think about in their own journey. I'll also be introducing you to wonderful humans who are exploring these topics in their lives, either personally, professionally, or both. So my name is Jenna Fox, and I'm an educator, writer, tarot reader, Reiki master, and queer mystical mama. What I'm not is an expert. So if you're a seeker, if you've got a curious mind, or interested in esoteric topics, then this is the podcast for you. And I'm so excited to have you on the journey. Let's get started, shall we? Today's episode is broken up into two recorded segments. So we have um, some musings on the major archon of the moon, and then I share some experience that I've had with... um, some ancestor work that is directly related to the energies of the moon. I hope you guys enjoy. So when my dad's mom died, her name was Grandma Vi. um, When she died, I inherited the writing desk that she used that was in her house. Now, I wasn't particularly close to my Grandma Vi. She was about 10 years older than my beloved Grams, who was my mom's mom. And she was, she was pretty private. She was pretty introverted. Um, Pretty stoic she uh grew up actually on a wheat farm in Colfax, Washington, which is in the southwest corner of Washington state, and is a part of the um the Palouse mountains so she grew up on this farm without running water um you know she was ninety six when she died a couple of years ago, two years ago, so she'd be she'd be almost a hundred now and The farm that she grew up on was a part of, it was a centennial farm in 1989, which in looking back at family records, this farm has existed um, all the way back to 1875, which is before Washington was even a state. And so I bring this up because as I've been doing some of this work with um, ancestors and trying to do some exploration with where I come from and my participation in white supremacy um, and where uh, my, you know, how my family migrated and the people that were displaced by the actions of my ancestors. I've been actually noticing, um, and, and this is part of the memoir that I'm writing, um, I've been noticing a lot of interesting synchronicities for me personally as an adopted person. So um, my adoptive family, like I said, my my, my grandma and her, her lineage um, coming from Colfax, had homesteaded, done the Homesteading Act before Washington was even a state so in 1875. Well, through some genealogy records that I have, and actually the book um, exists on my my new sort of ancestor-focused altar, um, there's a book of uh, diaries and letters from my biological um, great-great-grandparents' side of the family. So that's on my um, biological dad's side of the family. And in that um, diary it actually talks about the time that my my biological family spent in Colfax working on some of the farms before moving west to settle um, as some of the first settlers in Douglas County um, which is the town of Chelan, Washington. So finding those interesting synchronicities, I had a great aunt. So I had a great aunt named Thelma and she wrote a book called um, Grass is Gold or Green is Gold. Um, It also exists on my, on my altar and my mind is just blanking at the, the name of it at the moment. And so I have on this ancestor altar two books because as a creative and a writer, I am trying to connect with not only my ancestors, um, trying to weave the narrative of both my adoptive um, story of all of the aspects of my adoption that make me me and then also all of the um, actual physical and spiritual bloodlines that make me me. As well as marrying that with creativity. So, I have these two published documents um, living on my ancestor altar. So, as an adopted person, I have felt actually, and even as somebody who grew up in the Christian, conservative Christian tradition, I have been um, fearful of ancestral work with non living ancestors. Um, Actually, ancestor work. And even doing um, genealogy and work within a family system has been um, uncomfortable or awkward having to be vulnerable and ask family members for information about um my history, my story, which is also part of their story, um, is sometimes uh, challenging for me. Um, I would rather just kind of work in my own self-contained little ecosystem inside my own body and head. So recently I've felt this this desire to do some ancestor work and have been listening to podcasts really influenced by the Queer Witch Podcast, um, Medicine Stories I think the podcast is called Mythic Medicine, and talking about connecting with ancestors and doing things that would help um, ancestors be able energy energetically connect with us. So, I am recording this on the sixth of August, and so it was the evening of the fifth of August. So last night, I'm recording it because it's you know it's fresh on my mind. I before I went to sleep. I asked, in my mind, my grams, who has also passed on. She she died three weeks after my grandma Vi, the, who I inherited the writing desk from. I energetically, in my mind, asked my grams, who I feel very, very close to. She was my best friend, friend over 67, I always said. um very safe with her, Um, and it wasn't like I could feel her energy, but I just wanted to throw that out there as sort of like a guardian angel ask of, um, I asked the energy of my grams, if if it was around, to introduce me to the energies of my great-grandmothers, my biological grandmothers. And because... Partially, I'm in, interested, since my great-grandma on my maternal side was a tarot reader, and my grandma on my paternal line, my biological paternal line, um, that the women in the family have dreams and premonitions. She was from Bohemia. Um, so some of these, um, these stories that I don't have access to because I wasn't raised in the family, and it's just not part of my um, childhood growing up experience, I didn't have access to. And I do as an adult, but I sometimes don't know the questions to ask. So in my mind, as I was going to sleep, I energetically asked my grams to introduce me to my ancestors, my maternal ancestors. Um, not my maternal ancestors, but the, the women in my ancestral line. And in my mind, I heard a whisper. And the whisper said, Ruth. Ruth. Now, Ruth is the name of my biological dad's mom, and she died in 1983, the year after I was born. So, I, of course, being somebody who vacillates between being logical and magical, I was like, oh, my grandma Ruth, okay, the next thing that happened was I saw a porcelain teacup and it was just, it was just an image of a teacup floating and it was a white teacup with a gold rim and some roses painted on the teacup. And that was it. That, that was it. And I fell asleep. So this morning I remembered that i had had this dream, or it was like a pre-dream. And so I was mulling around in my mind whether or not I was going to do anything with this. It felt really strong, like this was something real and tangible, like um, a piece of knowledge that I knew, and yet there's always the risk, I feel, of trying to scientifically prove my premonitions or my dreams or um, messages that I've gotten because part of me worries about feeling crazy, even to myself, right? This idea, the stigma of being crazy or making things up or overreacting or um, being imaginative or reading things into things that aren't there. So I debated texting my biological dad, who I have a really good relationship with, and I decided instead to text my aunt, um, his older sister, and he's one of nine siblings, and an ask. And so at 9.45 this morning, I texted my Aunt Robin, and I just texted a random question, did your mom drink tea or have a special teacup? Um Part of this was just to confirm or to get a little bit more information for myself just to see. And she texts back, she collected teacups, just another random premonition, question mark. And I said, yeah, I had a dream last night. And she said, well, what about? And so I explained to her um, that I had heard the name Ruth and that I had saw a, um, this white teacup. And she said, I remember a teacup that look just like that. I'll ask Chris, my Aunt Chris, um, because she got the teacups after mom passed. I don't know what she did with them. So time goes on and we're just like chilling. Um, I'm just chilling. I'm like at the library with my kid. And, you know, and then I get um, another text from my aunt a couple hours later. And she says, Chris, your Aunt Chris doesn't remember that teacup in particular, but she reminded me that today was your grandma's birthday. So here I am in this in this space where I am feeling really vulnerable and putting myself out there energetically into this realm of ancestor work. And then I am gifted with this experience of having a dream premonition um, that was really, really valid and validated by biological family. Um, that today is my grandma who I never met, who died when I was a baby and I had already been adopted. Um, she died after I was adopted, but, um, she she didn't get to live to see me grow up and, and here she is coming to me in my dream um, with something that was so tangible for me to confirm her existence. Um, and so I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But it's it's sitting with me today. And I'm feeling very, um, just very grateful about this, this journey of tarot at ancestor work and creative intuition and opening myself up to the magic that has always been there, but that I've been um, afraid of. So I don't think I have any message or thesis or thing for you to do or take away from this. It just felt important for me to share um, as something that I have been experiencing and, and trying. So that is what it is for the day. This episode is going to be released on August 10th, 2018, which is we're ushering in a new moon, a super new moon in Leo. And So I wanted to talk about the moon as a major arcana card, as well as share some ancestral um, experience that I had this week that seems to be, in my my opinion, related to kind of this big, deep mystery well that the moon has to offer. Um, My relationship with the actual physical moon really has only been... um, deepening in the past six months or so. And I would say that that actually coincides pretty well with when I transitioned my tarot practice from being something that I did privately with friends kind of in an intimate circle and made it more public and more open to um not criticism but feedback um conversation dialogue outside of kind of some few special people that I had been really sharing it with and so the moon is a card that i um really gravitate toward and so i want to share some of that um as well as some of the stuff that i've actually learned in doing a little research for this podcast so First let's talk about the actual moon, the physical moon. I particularly love new moons, and I'm not one of those people that is really great about memorizing. I think I've talked with you about this before. I'm not great with memorizing all of the different nuances of astrology or even the different um, energetic aspects of the moon as it moves um, through the different... um, position. So when it goes from weaning and waxing and all of that. I can remember back to elementary school when we had to do a moon chart and I, I loved it. It was this project where we had to, for 30 days, go outside and look at the moon and draw the different um, the different shapes of it. And I'm as, I'm as I'm recording this podcast, in my bedroom, I see a pair of leggings that I've recently bought that have the phases of the moon on them. So kind of cheesy, perhaps, but a good reminder for me that the moon has actually been something that has been in my life as um, either projects or things that I've been curious about but haven't had. Um, sort of this uh, drive to kind of explore it further until recently and you know in the past six months or so. So the moon as a physical body during the time of the new moon and why I love it though most people that I know um, or see on Instagram seem particularly interested in full moons um, but the new moon to me is the moon in its most pure, unadulterated state, because what we see of the moon is actually a reflection of the sun, right? The sun lights up the moon so that we can see it in all of its different um, iterations. And in the new moon, we're just seeing the naked moon, the, the absolute Moon as it truly is that we can see with our, um, with our eyes here on Earth, and as I think about the moon, I also think about how we only ever see one part of the moon. We don't see the backside of the moon. Um, so for this podcast, I decided to go back to <laughs> the Centennial Ryder Smith Wait and decided that I was going to look and see what the actual quote unquote actual meaning of the moon major arcana was. And let me walk you through the imagery. So we have in the image of the moon card there is a round circular moon with kind of like a scowling face um, crescent. And when I actually really look at this image, um, to me it actually looks like the sun. Uh, because it's a yellow orb with, like, bunches of, of light rays coming off of it. And then, yes, there's this crescent moon face that's, like, in the inside. But it, it actually looks to me more like the sun. I think it's supposed to represent kind of the different phases of the moon. And below the moon in the scene that we see are two dogs um, standing on opposite sides of a path, and there are two pillars in the background with some mountains, and there's this path that kind of goes from the water all the way sneaking back and around and up into these mountains. So there's two dogs looking up at the moon, and then there is a lobster that is crawling out of the water and up and onto the path. So what the heck, right? This is my, one of my favorite cards, but not from this deck as far as the imagery. My favorite imagery comes from the Shadowscapes, and in the Shadowscapes deck, we see an image, um, a pretty, I would say, um, feminine leading image, um, holding out a mask in their hand, and they're kind of traipsing through the forest under the moonlight. So that's the image that I love, is kind of this unmasking, kind of things happening in the shadows. So I wanted to read to you the um, from the Little White book. The moon is about hidden enemies, danger, darkness, terror, deception, and error. What?! Nowhere in my experience of the moon major arcana, of the moon tarot cards, do I get this feeling of danger. And it makes me wonder, The not just about the imagery, but like where does that fear of the moon card come from in this description? Because there are several tarot cards that have um sometimes a a negative connotation or a stigma so i can think of like maybe the tower or death or the devil that kind of evokes this um sense of fear in people is somebody going to die is my whole life going to kind of burn down the moon is not one of those for me at least i have not heard people kind of freak out about the moon card and so as I was sitting with this description and being like what is what is the deal between what I just read in the little white book and my own experience of the moon and it makes me wonder about patriarchy right have I ever gone an episode without bringing in some huge huge concept but the patriarchy historically has been in my opinion, pretty afraid of feminine wisdom and power, power that exists outside of this like uh, tough, strong, stronger is better warrior mentality. And even growing up and having heard um, the descriptions of like red tents and women being segregated during their menstruation and um while also understanding that not just women have periods. Um, But historically, the narrative has been around menstruation being something that is um, feminine. So I'm thinking about this book and thinking about the writers of this book and how things that are governed by the moon, the tides, menstruation, historically when we were not... um, living in cities with incandescent light bulbs and all of this stuff that impacts um, our bodies, our bodies tend to tune to one another. If we are people with uh, menstruation, our bodies tend to tune to one another and tune to the moon. Well, for people who don't experience that, how scary is that? Because also it can't be controlled, right? No matter how much I try, The moon is still in charge of the tides on Earth, right? I can do so much to try to influence that. And we could have a debate or a question around whether the the moon knows their power in the sky of here on Earth, but that intense, beautiful influence that happens here on Earth. So I did a little bit more digging because I didn't want to stop with this description of the moon. And so I went to the complete book of tarot by Llewellyn, and it gives a lot more information, right, than just the little white book. And so the the astrology of the moon card is ruled by Pisces, which is a water sign ruled by Jupiter, and Neptune, and it is the element of water, which we know from studying the different suits, the element of water is really about feelings, our emotional life, relationships, maybe our relationship to ourselves and inner world. And in numerology, it's also related to the hermit. Huh. So just recently I talked about the hermit, right? Feeling straddled between the hermit and the hierophant. No wonder I love this card so much. So number nine is one plus eight, which is the moon. So... What does the moon mean? Well, the description in the Llewellyn's Complete Book of Tarot says, When upright, the moon suggests that circumstances may be elusive, unclear, confusing, fluctuating, or unsteady. It has a dark side always hidden from human view. And individuals under the influence of drugs or alcohol can cause problems. What? That seems randomly put in there. Important information may have been misunderstood or may not yet be within your grasp. So really, it seems like this being under the influence or things not appearing the way they are, right? When I go outside and it's under the light of the moon, I remember this clearly from when I was a kid. My parents would make me take out the trash, right? I had some chores that I had to do. And the trash cans, we lived in Seattle, and so we, um, our property butted up against this cemetery, which was um, old-growth forest, um, so it was an undeveloped, um area of the cemetery that bumped up against our um, our backyard our back gate um, across like this little like road and so I would have to go around the side of the house to the garbage can and I was like petrified of meeting raccoons because raccoons um, would sometimes visit our garbage can and so when I would walk outside you know your eyes have to adjust to the dark and there's the moon is shining and it's like things aren't seen as clearly as in the daytime. In the daytime I could see my brother's bicycle and be like that's a bicycle, but at night it's like oh is that a is that a raccoon crouched in the corner is that a boogeyman like all of sorts of things, right? So the moon is kind of about exploring some of that inner wisdom, things that kind of exist beyond beyond what we can see necessarily clearly. So I decided to dig a little further, right? Llewellyn's Complete Book of Tarot is a great resource, but I love myself some WTF is Tarot and How Do I Do It from Bacara Wintner. And she writes, she has a quote that starts um, the chapter on the moon, and it is by one of my absolute favorite writers, Henry David Thoreau from Walden. So I'm going to read it to you. We need the tonic of wildness at the same time that we are earnest to explore and learn all things. We require that all things be mysterious and unexplorable, that land and sea be indefinitely wild, unsurveyed, and unfathomed by us, because unfathomable. We could never have enough of nature. So the key words For the Moon by is things like reflection, wild feminine, subconscious, mother, intuition, things that have phases, darkness, hidden dreams, and instinct. So I love this idea of exploring the things that kind of exist outside of our day-to-day conscious. I have been opening myself up to this receptivity. And it is something that has made me um, feel really vulnerable and nervous to kind of begin exploring. And so I'm going to share with you um, a pre-recorded that happened. I I recorded it kind of in live time um, experience that I had with What it feels to me to be related to this moon card, related to this energy um, as it happened um, at night and then kind of continued into the daylight. But exploring sort of the depths of wisdom and intuition and the things that kind of exist on the soft edges outside of the campfire where we can't really see. So I'll get to it. Hey friends, thanks for listening to Leo Rising, a Tarot and Creative Intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived, so feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting, but much of the information about um, booking and reading from people has changed in the last couple of years, so... Know that there isn't a tarot um, Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.